morning, if you'd open your Bibles and come with me to uh, John uh, chapter 21 this morning. Uh, how, how many folks were here last week? Oh, all right. So a little bit, of, a few of you. So the rest of you, welcome back. We're glad to see you. And we're glad to see those that are, uh, well, just know that I, I can see you. It's a spiritual gift. So, uh, so stop that. No, anyway, so welcome if you're worshiping with us at home. We're, we're, glad, you, we're glad you're with us uh, this morning. John chapter 21, let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for your spirit. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our, our Father in heaven. We pray, Lord, that as we look at your word this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our heart in very practical ways. And Lord, that we could walk away from this moment, Lord, uh, Lord, encouraged, encouraged by your love for us, encouraged how you intervene in our life, encouraged by how you use people that are not perfect, people that are in process. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to John chapter 21. We looked at a portion of it um, last week. And I have a great affinity for John chapter 21. It's, it's kind of unexpected when you look at the flow in that we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his glory and his appearing and his victory uh, over death. And then we come to chapter 21 and it's, it's really all about Peter. And if there's anyone that I could identify with in the scriptures, it's Peter because he's, he's just a guy who's in process. Like he hasn't arrived yet. It, can you relate to that in any way? I just saw our husband get the, in the ribs. A lot of times we look at the scriptures and we think, I could never be like that. I could, I could never be used of God in the way that these men and women have used by God. And then we come to Peter and, and deep within my heart I go, oh, it's possible. Because Peter was full of himself. He was overconfident in his own abilities. He overestimated himself and underestimated the power of sin and the power of flesh and the power of going your own way and doing your own thing. That's me. It might be some of you that we we overestimate who we are and underestimate the need that we have in our own life for more of Jesus. It's kind of like the John the Baptist words. I must decrease, but he must increase. 
And the key to success in life is not found in gaining, say, more intelligence, although I can use how to pronounce words from time to time. It's not in gaining more things. It's from having our heart, my heart, more satisfied in who Jesus tells, uh, tells me I am, more satisfied about experiencing the outcome from repentance of sin, experiencing the presence of his spirit in my life. Those are the things that lead to victory and joy and fruitfulness in life. And Peter, oh man, Peter, he models that for me time and time again. If we looked at uh, chapter 21 and say, looked at verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Now many uh, Bible teachers, much more superior than I, slam Peter at this juncture. He's abandoned the mission. He's gone off the farm. He's in rebellion. He's in sin. I listened to a few guys teach on this this week, and I'm like, oh, give Peter a break. And, and really what I was saying, would you give me a break? Because <laughs> there's times when the vision isn't clear. There's times where you wonder, will Jesus forgive? Will Jesus restore? Will, will Jesus give a second chance? And when I look at this text and, and look at the backdrop of it, I see Peter responding to, you know, the angel at the tomb, and he says to Mary Magdalene, hey, tell the, tell the disciples, tell my followers, tell the boys I'm going where? To Galilee, and I'll connect with them there. And we see Peter where? We see Peter in Galilee. And he's, he's in this place which I would describe as being in a muddle, being in a fog, where you're in that place where you're not quite sure how it's going to happen and the mission's going to happen and, and you're not quite sure about your relationship with the Lord, you're, you're, you're in, that, in that muddle, in that cloud, in that fog. And what Peter shows me is that he stays faithful. He simply does what he knows is right to do. He doesn't go off and do immoral and ungodly things. He says, you know what? It's not a good day. Let's go fishing. At least in those days, you know, there was no Chick-fil-A, you know. There's no legal seafood. So he goes and he does what's right and he feeds his, himself and he feeds his men how do I know he has a good heart when he's in the middle of that? 
How do I know that he serves as a good model for me? Well, the reason I know that, we talked about this last week, is that Jesus found him. Jesus found him where? Fishing. And when the disciple whom Jesus loved said, and that's John, said, it is the Lord. How do I know Peter has a right heart living in that place of, of, of being in the muddle of life? Because as soon as he finds out it's the Lord, he girds himself up, ties his cloak around him, and what does he do? Literally. He, literally, he throws himself into the sea. Now, why anybody would join the Navy, I have no clue. Because have you ever been, have you ever thrown yourself into the sea? One, it's a stupid thing to do. Don't do it. And if you throw yourself in Mass Bay or Salem Harbor or Beverly Harbor, there's several things that are going to happen to you. One, you're going to freeze. It's not a good experience. And if there's swells, you're going to drink some water. And finally, you're going to be anointed with oil. You're going to come out of the water glistening. Peter throws himself towards the lover of his soul. Throws himself towards Jesus. And so again, the we all find ourselves in these places in life where we don't have it all figured out. We don't know what the next step is. We are wondering, does God still hear our prayers? Peter had met the Lord twice already. And in that space where things weren't clear to him, he simply does what he knows is right to do, and he's in that place of waiting, and in that place, what happens? Jesus finds him. And oh, by the way, he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. <laughs> and he does what only God can do. I need that assurance to stay the course. Sometimes... Sometimes I, I, I need that word to show up next Sunday. To persevere when there's not a lot of answers, not a lot of direction. Do you, do you, live, in that, do you, do you live in that place from time to time? Yeah. Don't give up. And don't, I'll speak to the guys, don't do anything stupid after the wife goes to sleep at night. Stay faithful. Be where you're supposed to do. No, be where you're supposed to be. And what's the second part? Do what you're supposed to do. And you know, nine-tenths of life, if you do that, it'll t God will find you, and, and there'll be an answer for you. What's so cool about this is Jesus gives them breakfast, and then we come to our text this morning. It says, when, when they had finished breakfast, 
Jesus said to, the, to him, Simon Peter, Simon son of John, and he goes back, didn't Jesus change his name? You're not Simon Peter anymore, you're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. And Jesus gets his attention after breakfast, and, and the structure, not to get too technical here, but the structure of the text is fascinating. Jesus is going to ask him three times, what? Do you love me? Jesus is going to ask him three times. Peter's going to answer twice the same way, and on the third time, he's going to get what? Emotional. It's going to get emotional. And then Jesus gives Peter how many commands? Three commands. And so the structure of the text is these little triplets. Three questions, three responses, three commands. When you drill down on the question, let's take the first one. It's an, it's an easy question. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And he uses this little Greek word, agapao. And agapao is the verb for love. What's the noun for agapao? Agape. So we're all familiar with that. And agape is... How could we describe it? A, a, yeah, a, a divine love, a divine love, a perfect love. And Peter's response to that, Jesus asked him, do you, do you love me with a divine love? And Peter responds to that, you know, the word for knowledge here is ido, and it is, in intellectual knowledge, he, Peter responds, you know, Lord, I dearly love you, and he uses the word filio, which is what kind of love? Brotherly love, affectionate love, a, a dear, connective, connective love, but a little bit less, right, than perfect love. So where are you going here? Well, just hang on. We'll just go through it again. There's, Jesus asked them a second time, do you agape? Peter says, you know I dearly love you. <laughs> Filio. Jesus asked him a third time, except he doesn't use agape. He uses what? Filio. You dearly, you dearly have affection for me. What is insightful to me and what helps me understand life and Jesus and helps me apply the text to my life, my life is how Peter responds the third time. Because Peter, sorry to be so drilling down on this, but Peter uses the verb ginesco in response to Jesus. 
which is not an intellectual knowledge, but Ginesco implies an experiential knowledge. In other words, I have stepped into your life and your heart, and I have experienced you, and I, and, I, and I know you. It's the same way that John uses to describe his experience with Jesus in 1 John, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which we have seen with our eyes, that's what we have heard with our ears, that's what we have touched with our hands, this we declare to you, about eternal life, Jesus Christ. It's an experiential love. And so Peter responds to the Lord like this. You know, Ginesco, and he appeals to, to Jesus's knowing all things, all the way, all times, beginning and end. Jesus knows everything. He goes to him you know experientially my heart because you have tried me. You have tested me. You have brought me to the place of, of knowing my heart. And I filio. I believe this is a transformational moment that shows that Peter has changed and is changing. Because Peter doesn't respond to the Lord. I have used, yes, Lord, I love you with a perfect divine love. Would that be true? Would that be, getting excited here. See, this is what happens when you have four cups of coffee. Oh, don't tell Nancy. Can I love God with a divine love, a perfect love? No, I cannot. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Yes, I've been redeemed. Yes, I've been justified. I know who I am positionally in Christ. But he's still working out a lot of things, you know. Can you relate? Peter says this. You know me from the inside out. And you know that the best I can do is an imperfect love. And, and here's the key. How does Jesus respond to that admission? Does he rebuke him? No. As the Lord rebuked Peter before? Yes. Does, does, he, does he diminish Peter's love for him, even though it's imperfect? No, he doesn't. What does he do? That's the third triplet. Look at it with me. Peter, do you love me with a divine love? You know I dearly love you. Peter, do you love me with a divine love? You know I dearly love you. Peter, do you love me? Do you dearly love me? Yes, Lord. You know me inside and out, and I love you. Christ's response to Peter's imperfect love is to call, reestablish, recommission, and he trusts Peter with his sheep. My lambs, my sheep, my sheep. 
look at the look at the commands, the three commands. He says, in response to Peter, he says, feed, or the, the Greek word here is bosco, he says, pasture my lambs, in verse 15. Pasture, pa- pasture, feed the ones that are helpless. Provide nourishment for those that are the most vulnerable. Come alongside those that need protection the most. Second, do you love me, Peter, with a divine love? Oh, I, I, I feel you. What's Christ's response? Poimino, shepherd, take care and shepherd my sheep. Shepherd, that connotation of responsibility, connotation of protection, connotation of what? I will lay down my life. That's next week he's going to. And lastly, what we see in the last triplet is, again, Bosco, feed our pasture, not just the lambs, but feed and pasture my sheep. See, the, the lesson here for me, I, 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 I hope for you, is that the Lord knows experientially that we have an imperfect love, but he doesn't give up on us. The Lord experientially knows because he knows everything about you. But matter of fact, he knows where you live. Said to Ananias and Acts, go, hey, go minister uh, to the apostle Go minister to Saul. He lives on Straight Street in Damascus. Do you think the Lord knows where you live? Yes, he does. And just because you live in Bill Ricca, he hasn't disqualified you. (laughs) The takeaway for me is that God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for someone that has the focus of their heart being transparent and honest so his spirit can work and change and bring you into your destiny. There may be a few of you that are, that are questioning, like, I, I, can't, I can't serve the Lord, I can't, I can't do that because I don't have it all together. Well, <laughs> join the club. I'm not, I'm not as holy. I'm not as righteous. Nancy told me this week, she goes, you know, they really think you're holy. <laughs> He's looking for a Peter. It'll say, oh Lord, I know you want a perfect and divine love, but I'm loving you with all that I have, and you know it, Lord. He appeals to Christ's omniscience. He appeals to his all-knowing. 
He appeals to the heart of Jesus. And Jesus says, with that, go feed my sheep. In closing this morning, just a little note of caution. I love what F.F. Bruce says about Peter. He says that when he first called Peter from his occupation of catching fish to be a follower of Jesus, he was told that henceforth he would catch men. Now to the evangelist hook, there is added the pastor's crook. As has often been said, Peter proceeded to fulfill his double commission by hook or by crook. God has a plan for your life. God has a place for you to impact other people. God has a call on each one of our lives. And our imperfection should only lead us to trust the grace of God working in our lives for his glory. Say, Conway, that's a nice, that's a nice closing statement. But is it biblical? Come with me to 2 Corinthians for a moment and see if this doesn't resonate in your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writes, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to you or me. And so from, not to, from one cracked pot to another, let us be about leaning into the grace of God and serving God for his glory. And if along the way people get a glimpse of the power, may God get the glory. And may we experience his presence and his joy in our life. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to ask Ben to come and close us this morning and prepare our hearts uh, to receive the Lord's table. Um, would you take a moment in your, in your own heart and just go before the Lord and say, Lord, this is where I'm at today. Come and touch my heart. Come and forgive my sin. Lord, come and, and show yourself strong in my heart today. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's table this morning.